I want to quickly just uh, tell you a story. Uh, back when I was teaching, I, I taught at a public school here in Lakeland for 13 and a half years. And um, during that time, during about, I would say towards the beginning of that time, uh, I was, and I've already shared this with a few people, but I was uh, befriended by a guy uh, named Preston Stafford. He was, uh, he was an older guy. He was going to be retiring um, within the next uh, seven or eight years of me uh, meeting him. But, but he took time, and we got to know one another. And uh, he was the art teacher, or one of the three art teachers uh, at the school. And one of the things that he did uh, at his own house, and part of his art was to throw pottery. And that's what he kind of loved to do. Um, and he could do many other things, but he threw pottery. Uh, and then, so I asked him, man, that's pretty awesome. Like, how do you do that? And what he did was he began to take time with me. Uh, and I know I was supposed to be planning during my planning period, but I was throwing pottery. I was planning on learning how to throw pottery. And so he would take me aside and he'd teach me how to do this. And it's an art form and it's tough and it's rough at first. And you make pots that at first you're kind of proud of, but then you really look at them and the technical of them and you're like, oh, wow, the sidewall's like that thick. Like, that's not good. Like, you know, like potter's pots are like this, you know, and they, they can form them and, and shape them. So over weeks and over months, he taught me this skill. And then it became so that I was able to, like, give these gifts to people and not be embarrassed, right? And not be like, oh, here, and then have them look at me like I was an elementary school kid, and they're like, oh, that's nice, okay? And you're thinking, no, it's not. That's brutally ugly. And so I started to throw these, um, these pots and dishes and and bowls and things. And, and what I thought of later on, and I thanked him for this, was that in those few what equated to days, he taught me something that I could use for the rest of my life. And if I sat down at a potter's wheel right now, though I would need some retraining, I would know how to center the pot. I would know how to form the walls. I would know how to bring these, uh, the walls up, all right? And we could, I could throw a pot. This is something that I can use forever. And I, I think about this, if he wouldn't have taken the time to teach me, I would have never had those gifts to give away. And by him coming alongside me, teaching me a skill, he allowed me then uh, to be able to teach other people even, or give gifts away that were once not real good, um, now I can give them away. And I, and I also think of a kid that I taught, I love this kid to death, and her name's uh, Savannah, she's a senior now, and she's going to be going off to school at the end of this year, maybe in the middle of the year even, and um, I didn't realize it. I mean, I guess I had impacted her life pretty um, substantially. And I just, I just remember her, and I think I've told you this story, maybe some of you, is I just remember her one night, we always go to Chick-fil-A after youth group, 
Uh, it's what we do. It's what good Christians do. Okay? <laughs> and so uh, we go to Chick-fil-A, and um, we're there, and, and I had since come over to, to Lakeland Vineyard full-time, and I wasn't teaching anymore, and I just remember her running up to me and saying, Mr. Baker, Mr. Baker. I'm like, what's up? She's like, I gave my heart to Jesus. And I was like, that's freaking awesome. And then it was uh, a couple weeks later, I think, if I'm remembering correctly, she came up to me and she goes, would you be willing to baptize me? And I thought, no, I can't do that. No, I I said, yes, (laughs) of course. Uh, and so we, you know, we arranged for it, and, and we went down to the lake, and uh, we got in the lake, and we had uh, gator duty. We had people spread out. We were praying. No, we got in there, and, and we bap, and I was able to baptize uh, this girl, and I thought, man, that is just the coolest thing, to be a part of somebody's life like that, and, and not really... Uh, you know, not really, uh, that wasn't the main reason. I just, I don't know. Like, I think God has put this girl on my heart, and, and so she just became um, a learner, I guess, of Jesus Christ, and she got plugged in at uh, Grace City, and, and uh, you know, and they, they are, I don't know if you guys know Grace City, uh, they are doing amazing work, okay? They're bringing the church together. Uh, youth pastors, pastors, um, and I'm just, I was thinking about them this morning, um, I think Andrew and Christina, and I was like, they are doing such good stuff. God, would you just hold, would you have people around them to hold their arms up to do the stuff? Because I just look at, I look at them and I'm like, God, you're doing some awesome stuff through them. You're bringing, what you're, what we've been praying for, that the, the capital C church would trump any particular body. You're doing that. And so that excites me um, and that, that we'll get to be even a, a part of that. And I just think it's, it's so cool. And so she was impacted by uh, the ministry that's going on there. Uh, and she still goes there. And I think it's just amazing. And so um, just pray with me, would you? God, we are so dependent on you. Uh, you guide us. Uh, you empower us through your Holy Spirit. You draw us close to you. We don't understand all these things, that the God of everything, the God who spoke life into existence, cares about us and knows about us. But God, I accept it as the truth, that you created us with a purpose, that you were born and that you lived a a sinless life, that you died for us and that you rose again. And God, that you sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, to be the church, the capital C church, the people make up the church, and, and you have called us to something that is beyond us, so we need you to help us carry it out. And so I pray that you would just continue to move, continue to have your way, uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've been saying, uh, dude, this series, EDLD, uh, if you don't know what that means, evangelism, discipleship, leadership, and diversity, 
Um, it, it's, just a, it's just an impactful series. I, I think that we could concentrate on this um, uh, until we got it, and then, we, and then we'd go and do it, and, and then we could concentrate on it more, and we could go do it again. And I, I think that we could probably teach this throughout the entire year. Um, I'm, and to prove this, I'm using the same scripture passages today that I did last week. Well, man, you got an easy week off. No, I just feel like we, I feel like, you know, how, well, how many times are you going to use those passages, Andy? I'm going to use them until we get them. And so um, I'm just pumped about this series. I'm pumped about particularly what I'm talking about today, discipleship. Um, and because, why? Because it, it is the message of the gospel. Uh, discipleship. It, it, why am I um, excited about it? Because I believe as we come alongside people that the good news of Jesus is shared and, and when it's not to, for uh, just to punch a hole that I shared the gospel with somebody, it's to see their lives changed dramatically. It's to see a person that's, that's not following Christ, that's far from Christ, come to know Christ. It's to see people that are in a relationship with Christ and may, may know about him or have known about him for years come to know him and become, start to become to have a heart knowledge about Jesus. That, that, that Jesus becomes from this figure out there to become the Lord of their lives. And so that's what I'm excited about. And, and so as we begin to lead others, uh, I'm just pumped about it. I love discipleship. Here's what I love about discipleship. I love interacting with people, all right? I mean, people have problems for sure. I have problems. You have problems. We all have problems. I love interacting with people, though. I love seeing lives change. I love being in relationships with people. It's not always easy for sure. Uh, but there is some dynamic that, that says when you walk with somebody that, and you're real with people that uh, you can see lives change. It doesn't always turn out pretty. Right? If, have any of you been in a relationship where it's been just cupcakes, unicorns, and uh, candy? You have? Okay. You have? Okay. Uh, it's good. No, that's awesome, actually. That is awesome. Yes. Yeah. High bars. Thanks, Steve. Jerk. Um, no, I'm kidding. So, <laughs> no, but... Um, and so we understand that even in, even in perfect relationships, that there, there's sometimes this, this grind that happens. And it, I mean, it's just dealing with people, right? And it doesn't have to be highly dramatic. It doesn't have to be like you're suffering through anything. It's just life. But I love seeing people's lives change, and I, I love struggling with people together. I love celebrating together. I love crying together. I love laughing together. I love being encouraged, and I love to encourage people. And I think that's, that's what discipleship is. I mean, if Jesus calls us like he did in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, if we can put that up on the screen, uh, you know, Jesus came and told his disciples this. 
I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Okay, that's Jesus talking. I have been given all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, this, this, wasn't a, this was an intentional statement. I mean, Jesus is he's showing that he is the Lord, that, that he is, in fact, God, that when he said uh, previously, I am, he wasn't saying, like, I am, like, lowercase i, lowercase a, lowercase m. He was saying, I am, all caps, I am God. And he's saying that again here, and he's been given all authority on heaven and on earth. And he, then he tells them, he says this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." So when we see this, discipleship is simply coming along someone and and then walking alongside them. It's not coming alongside them, um, handing them material, and then walking away. That's not really discipleship. Um, Discipleship means that that we're in it for the long haul. Uh, We're in it when it gets ugly. We're in it um, for a while. And do I think there's times in people's lives where people come into your lives and then, and then they go out of your lives? Yes, I do. I, it's a season, if you will. And we don't have to look at that in a, in a bad way or in a bad context. We just have to understand that God's in control. And are we open to what God is doing? And we don't need to be hurt when people uh, may exit our lives because are they really hurting us? Are they? Like, think about that. Yes, we have feelings, but when people leave your life, maybe even abruptly, does that give you a right to be offended? No, it doesn't. It gives you the right to keep pushing on. Because honestly, when we do this, when we talk about evangelism, discipleship, here's the bottom line, and this is the, this is the rub for a lot of people, including myself, is that it's not about you, and it's not about me. So if someone rejects Jesus, you don't need to get offended. They're rejecting Jesus. All right? And so we don't need to be like taking a scorecard. We just need to say, God, what are you doing? And be open to what he's doing. Now, I do believe this, that discipleship, like evangelism, is not an option. If you call Jesus, if you're in a a lordship relationship with Jesus Christ, you call Jesus Savior, you call Jesus King, you tell him that you you can have your way, then it's not an option. And if we look at this passage, we see that Jesus is commanding us to do this. He's commissioning, and I wrote this, and I think it's very important that we understand this, that that Jesus in this passage is commissioning us for the things that he is equipping us to do. I'll say that again. Jesus, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, is commissioning us for the things that he is equipping us to do. And that equipping word that I'm using there is that it's a continual equipping. He will equip you as you go on, as you proceed with what you're doing. That it, it doesn't mean that, that when you accepted Jesus that you just had uh, everything together. It means that you will continue to grow in Christ, and as you continue to grow in Christ, you will 
know more about him. You will know more about his grace, more about his mercy, more about his power, and you will be able to take out of the toolbox that he provides for you the equipment needed when you interact with people around you. And so that is the answer to what is discipleship. Discipleship is simply coming along somebody with the hope of Jesus Christ, and you're going to walk with them, right? And so, and we have to understand this, and I think this is so important. I was talking to somebody earlier this week, and it just was impressed upon me this, that, that if I'm traveling on I-75 and I live uh, in, I'm trying to think of a city, Lexington, Kentucky, and I merge onto the road, and I'm going to travel beside someone who's coming from Miami, that there's done a whole lot of traveling before I intersected with them. Does everybody understand what I'm saying here? There's, there's been a whole lot of life lived before we've intersected with these people. We can't come at them with the expectation that nothing on their road trip happened before that. We would be naive to think if they said, I came from Miami, that they were transported from Miami and now they're just on the interstate in Lexington. There was no travel time in between there. They were part of Star Trek, all right? There was a journey that went on before there. There might have been a car that broke down, a tire that was flattened. We might have those things in our lives as well. There was a time in our lives when we might have been broken down, and so the expectation that we have on people needs to cease. And I think we need to be more wise and in communion with God as we intersect with people's lives is that we're going to meet people where they're at because it's exactly the place where Jesus met you. So when we come with expectation of what people should be like, we need to throw that to the ground and make sure that is not the expectation of us. Because when we meet people with expectation of what they should be, then when they're not, they don't meet that, then all of a sudden our view of them is tainted. And so how, the next question, there's three questions this morning, how do I disciple someone? And here's what I think it's so important. The question is, how do I disciple someone? Notice that the question does not say, how could I disciple someone. Now, let me say something else before we move on. When we talk about the journey, here's what I want us to do, too. We need to realize, too, if we're the person that's coming from in that story, if we're the person that's coming from Miami, we're in Kentucky now, we have to realize we're in Kentucky now. That that journey is behind us. It, it is a part of us, but it is behind us. See, and I believe if we, if we stay in all those troubled times and we don't, we don't receive healing, we don't come and we don't put that stuff down, then I believe that we stay there. And it's hard for us to move on. And so the question that you might ask is, how could I disciple someone? I have asked that question before. God, how could I disciple someone? But that's not the question we're asking. The question is, how do I? See, a, a how could I question is saying that, God, I'm just not worthy enough to disciple someone. I'm not worthy enough to walk alongside someone. The how do I question is, is recognizing that you're not worthy, but 
that you are recognizing that, that God is in control, that in fact, <coughs> without the power of the Holy Spirit, you cannot effectively disciple someone. Realizing that you're not in control is the first step to discipling someone. But I want to encourage you, if you've ever asked this question, how do I disciple someone? I think that it's a fantastic question. Some of us might feel stupid in asking that. Some of us might have walked with God for 30 years and say, how do I disciple someone? I've never done it. Okay, that's a great, that's a great place to be. At least you're asking. And so what I want to encourage us today is this. Let's find out. Let's go after it. I'm going to use another passage that I've been using because I've been going over it, over it, over it, and over it again because I think it's just awesome. 2 Peter 1, 3 through 11 again. Let's read it. It's good. It's good stuff. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires In the view of all this, make an effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with the generous provision of moral excellence and moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. Now, I do believe that you could do an entire series on this, just this one passage here. There's so much there. Um, but we're gonna concentrate on a couple things this morning that God has equipped us I believe that a lot of our problems come from our own doubt in what God desires to do. I believe what what Teresa shared about, what what Barb shared about, I mean, they're right on. We stay away from the tornado because I think we're concerned about the safety of what it's going to look like. How could I walk into a tornado and stay in one piece? Think about that. Uh, but God's called us to do the things that, that he desires for us to do. He, he's called us out to walk in the water in the middle of the storm. And if we keep our eyes fixed on him, what we're going to see is that we walk on the water in the middle of the storm. And it's funny, isn't it? The moment we take our eyes off him, we begin to sink and wonder why. And so I believe it's, it is God's desire for us to grow in knowledge. It is our, his desire for us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the works of the ministry. It is his desire to see us affect change in the world. It is his desire that we be fully dependent on him. 
And so we talk about how do we do this? Well, you know, and this isn't a plug, okay, understand that, but we offer groups here at, uh, at the church uh, that are called small groups. And here's what I know about small groups. Some of you will never join a small group because it's too real, all right? The smaller the group gets, the more real things get, all right? And sometimes when things get real, they get ugly for a moment, all right? And so we have small groups here that are, they're discipleship groups. I mean, that's what, they, that's what they're doing, all right? And we're walking through discipleship material and, and not just to say, hey, we're discipling people, okay? Because... Even outside of that, okay, great. And the groups, I love them. I think they're great. We lead one called uh, College and Career. Collagen and Career, okay. Uh, College and Career, okay. And so we lead that group, and there's others that are leading. And what I'm hearing from these people is that, man, things are going on. Things are happening, all right? And, And so that is amazing, but we think about that, you know, and, you, and I, I, the other side of that is you might have an incredibly busy schedule, right? And you might get up or way early, and maybe you cannot join one of these groups, right? And I understand that, that portion of it too. It would be very hard for Jen and I to be in a group if we didn't lead one. I mean, we have six kids, this, that. But, you know, I mean, if we want to get there, I guarantee you some, we would get there, um, you know, I always say, you know, would you do this? No, I can't do that. I'll pay you $10,000. Yeah, I'll open up the schedule for it. All right? And so uh, I just encourage you, if you're not part of one, be part of one. See what happens. Um, you know, go at least two semesters. If you still hate it, then come talk to me. All right? And then uh, we'll do like that. But what outside of these groups? Small groups are a great thing, and I would never minimize them. Can I just say, Lee Gore's doing a great job as a small group coordinator. She really is. She's killing it, and a lot better than I could do. And so she's doing it, and she's doing that well, and she's, she's coordinating those groups, and, and they're going well. And, and, but what outside of the groups? Because we know this. Uh, we all know this, that even outside of the groups, there's got to be something else that's going on. What, what about the daily, every day of discipleship? Yeah, I believe that this, that when you read that passage, Teresa, that is a Western mentality of you bring us the message, Andy. I bring you my problems. You bring me the answers. Um, No. Okay. Um, That's not going to happen here. Here's what's going to happen here. We're going to interact with Jesus Christ. You're going to get to know Jesus Christ. You're going to you're going to answer the call of the priesthood that he's put on your life, and, and then you're going to go out and you're going to do the stuff. That's what's going to happen. Okay? Now, does that mean, well, then you don't love it? No, I do love you. Believe me. And so, but I love you enough to say, you know what? You need to do this. You need to do this. Now, when we walk alongside people, here's what I know. It has to be an intentional effort. 
I do know that life is busy. I do know that we make it busy too, okay? I understand that. All right, oh, I'm so busy, oh my God. You just don't even know how busy I am. What are you doing? I'm just on Instagram. Okay, you're not busy. Like, stop, all right? Um, put these things away for a moment, just a moment. Just walk away from them. I promise you, all of a sudden, reality will start kicking in, okay? Um, and all of a sudden, you realize, and that's me. That's a 39-year-old dude saying this. I'm not even sucked into it as much as some people are. I mean, some people are on it. Some people are like 50, 60, 70 years old. They live on Facebook, okay? It's on Facebook. It's got to be real. It's not, okay? That's the new National Enquirer, okay? Walk away, all right? And so if you never would have bought one of those magazines before, you're buying it now. So, um, But anyways... Uh, it's got to be intentional. This discipleship effort has to be an intentional thing. You have to be wanting to interact with people that you are saying, Jesus, would you use me in the situation that I'm in at work, at Walmart, at, at Publix, at wherever I go, would you use me? And would you, would you use me in a powerful way? And I, I have a love-hate relationship with this saying, uh, preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Of course, it was you know, it's Francis of Assisi is what they said, even though he really, they can't find any writings of him actually saying that or anything. I, and what I, what I hate, what I love about the quote is that you are living a life that is righteous. That's great. What I hate about the quote is that it also opts you out that you don't really have to say words. Uh, and, and it's trash to me, to me, okay? I know someone's offended, okay? But I want you to process what I'm saying here is this. You're going to have to use words to preach the gospel. You're going to have to use words to preach the gospel. Could you imagine if I came up here on stage for one half hour and I just did this? Really weird. Really weird. Even if I ran to the back and I opened the door for somebody and then came back up here, that's weird. Like Olivia goes to the bathroom and I run and open the door for her and close it and then I come back up here. My life is just, okay? No. Okay, can we understand this, that, that we've got to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because here's what I think some of us do is, some of us that absolutely love that saying is because it gets us out of the way and we don't have to talk to people. If I stepped on your toes, sorry. Not sorry. Because I just, I, we have to. We have to engage in people's lives. Yeah, can I, can I be nice to you and can I give you the cold cup of water? Absolutely. Absolutely. But then I want to tell you why I'm giving you the cold cup of water. You know, can, I, can we do that? And, and I think we, we've gone and grown in such a way, some of us, that, that to mention, we had a great conversation about this, Clayton and I did, is there's some terms that we like to call churchinese that can, that's the only way to express what's going on. Okay, now if I walk up to somebody and I start, you know, again, stepping on people's toes, but whatever. If I start talking, oh, the anointing is rich upon you, brother. What are you, what are you talking about? Okay, that, that's weird to people, yes. But, it, you know, there's some stuff where we, 
We talk about church and we talk about church services and we pray in the Holy Spirit and, and we get, we're, oh, am I going to offend somebody? Uh, yes! You're, we live in the age of offense. It doesn't matter what you say. Offend away. All right? You don't have to say anything offensive to offend people. So why are we captured in that when we need to say the reality of it is Jesus Christ loves you. He cares for you. He died for you. He loves you right where you're at. I'm not going to put you on my prayer list. I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to see the power of the Holy Spirit come right now. That's what we're going to ask for right now. Well, can you say, is there a different way we can say Holy Spirit? Because that's really churchy. Yeah, we're the church. Unapologetically. Now, again, there's a balance. Don't be a weirdo. Okay? Don't hit people up with, you know, your go-to really like churchy terms. I'm just going to anoint you with some oil, right? What? Dude, Jesus, what did he say? Uh, yeah, you, you can just, uh, you know, stand up. Take your mat. Okay? He didn't break out the Exxon uh, 50W30. He didn't break out Deuterra's lemon zest, essential oil for healing. Okay? He didn't walk around with a battery-powered diffuser. Just take that. I made a potion. This Like, what are you doing, okay? Okay. <laughs> stuff cracks me up. I know millionaires that sell that stuff. Okay, so um, it's good. It's good. It's good stuff. A little mint. Um, and so, uh, sorry. So anyways, I just think that we have to become more real God, when we meet people, what if we just love people? Like, think about that. What if, what if we just loved people? What if we met them where they're at and they're having, you just tell they're having a crappy day. And you're like, hey, you know, I see, and be, be practical, please. Okay? Like, if you see they're in the middle of something, and you know, unless God is saying, hey, interrupt what they're doing. And you really feel like, yeah, I need to pray for this person right now. Maybe it's just something. Maybe you're just saying, hey, man, I just want you to know I care about you. I, I see that you're struggling here. I want you to know I'm going to pray with you. Could I, could I do it now? And, dude, if they say no, guess what you do? You do it. You pray anyway. What are they going to do? No, I don't want you praying for me. Okay, well, then obviously don't accost them. I'm praying for you, sucker. Um, no. Dude, you ask people to pray for them. I swear to you, 98% of the time, they're like, yeah, absolutely. I mean, isn't there something in us that is longing for something that is real and genuine and, and we care? Because that's what discipleship is. It's caring for people. It's walking through their crap. There are going to be times that you don't understand what they're going through, and you're going to walk through it anyways. You're going to talk it out. I mean, we just, my boys and I just watched a great movie uh, the other night, same kind of different as me. Watch the movie, please. 
take tissues, have a blanket, I don't know what you need, watch it. It talks about meeting people where they're at. And God uses this guy that was kind of a scum to his wife to totally impact this other dude's life. And I mean, his life was changed as a result of it. And understand this, and and then I'll be quiet, is this, that, that discipling will absolutely turn your world upside down. Dude, it will change you. As you seek to know Jesus more, you can't help, as you know Jesus more, you cannot help but be changed. And so the last question I want to ask you today is this, and I think this is the most important question. Who are you discipling right now? And this is a challenging question because it's a very real question because I want to ask it in this context. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, he has given the great commission and he is commissioning, he commissioned us to do the works that he is equipping us to do. Who are you discipling right now? And now often what happens is discipleship by committee, and you guys, if you don't know what that means, it's, it's not one person, okay? It's going to be, uh, for me, it's going to be my dad. It's going to be Dan Noterer. It's going to be Chuck and Lee Gore. It's going to be my grandmother who inspires me. I intentionally left that one out of my notes because I knew this would happen. But you're discipled by committee. And I can go up and down these aisles and tell you how my life's been impacted. You know? Here's what I want to ask. If you're, not, if you're like, I'm not sure, ask this question. How many times does your name come up in somebody's spiritual conversation as a person that you are impacting their lives. And if you can be honest with yourself and you can say probably about zero, okay, then then what are we doing? What are we doing? Guys, he's equipping us with the stuff that we need to, to disciple people. Step out, okay? I don't know what that tornado was. I don't know if it was discipleship or not. But it's a tornado. Walking with people is a tornado. It's amazing, though, how secure you can be when your eyes are fixed on Jesus. It's amazing to me that you can walk through a tornado, and you you can come out the other side. I've seen it happen before. You can come out the other side. I will not say unscathed, but you can come back out the other side with a strong spine, because that spine is Jesus.